everyone. This is Brayden and Tally with the Voice of My Beloved podcast. Welcome back. It's been a couple weeks. We've had we've had a lot going on the past couple weeks. We even had a we, baby. Yeah, we had a baby. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're super excited. We've been falling in love with our new little addition. It's a good um, excuse not to have come out and have to do the podcast yeah i thought i thought that was a good enough excuse (laughs) um but but we're back now um and so we're gonna talk to you a little bit about our baby and the name that we chose and but before we do that i'm going to talk about sukkot we've got sukkot coming up in exactly a month right it's going to be starting on the second and uh, and so we're getting real excited here. We've, we had a Sukkot meeting yesterday and, uh, we've starting to work out the schedule. We've got about 60 some people registered right now. And yeah, it's, this is an exciting season that we're going into here, uh, with the fall feasts, a lot to look forward to. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're super excited. If you want more information about that, go to the website, uh, loveandpurity.com and uh yeah and just search around there on the website for information on Sukkot on the uh, uh, events tab there and yeah we look forward to seeing who God's gonna bring to celebrate with this year it's different every year it's a different feel and a different uh different experience each time so we're excited about what God's gonna do this year uh so we'll talk about our baby here now for a little bit um yeah so our our baby here was was born. Well, do you want to talk about the month of Elul first? Yeah. So the month of Elul is a month uh, in the Hebrew calendar. So Elul is the name of the sixth month. And so this this month is special though, especially over in Israel. We've you know spent quite a few Eluls over in Israel. Yeah. And this is a month that they consider to be a special time of God drawing near to His people. Mm-hmm. In their kind of symbol, symbolic imagery, they see God as like, you know, dwelling in the palace for the rest of the year. But then in the month of Elul, he comes out and he spends time with the people out in the field. And so is, they, this, there's this saying you know, that God's, he's in the field. He's in the field with his people. Mm-hmm. And so the this, king uh, is in the field. yeah, the king is in the <laughs> field, right? They have songs about the king being in the field and just being this special time of, of drawing close to God. And even the name Elul, actually, if when you break down the Hebrew letters, it's uh, Ein, or no, sorry, Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, which yeah, those letters, it can be an acrostic for Ani le Dodi, Ve Dodi Li, which means I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And so they see that the month of Elul is being a special time of just understanding God as your beloved, that he's the one that wants to love you and he wants you to love him. And so it's a very special uh, season of the year. And so it really ties into the Romans 2-4 passage that says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance because it's also seen as a period of repentance. Mm-hmm. So understanding God's love that he, you know, he's lavished his love on us. And so, but he's calling us to repentance because many times it's our sins that keep us from drawing close to God. So it's this call to let go of those things that hinder our relationship in preparation for what uh, what's coming up in the seventh month, which is the fall feast, right? The first day of the seventh month is going to be Yom Teruah or also known as Rosh Hashanah. 
And then the 10 days later, you have Yom Kippur. And so these, these are really intense times of the year. Of, you know, in, in a national way, you see uh, God, you know, this is the time when the high priest once a year would go into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. And so it's a very intense, you know, just this really awe. Mm-hmm. There's an awe surrounding it. And so you want to be ready to uh, approach the king, right? Yeah. And so, so this whole month is just about kind of preparing for that encounter with the living God. Yeah, which is which is really neat too because you know we've talked about the uh, relationship with the uh, the Song of Songs and how it's seen as like the holy of holies too, and uh, just that that relationship that it's like the most intimate um, place. You know that it really focuses on that intimate place uh, relationship with God, and then uh, we're also going to be talking. Uh, the portion that we're at in the Song of Solomon right now is actually, um, it parallels a lot with the temple and with, um, you know, the place where God's glory dwells too, So, which we're going to talk about. And one other thing on Elul, just while we're on that, is that another neat thing is that in Israel, every morning during the month of Elul, they blow the shofar. And so it's this time of just awakening you know, that we want to be awake. We want, you know, exactly opposite of being in a state of slumber, mm-hmm. you know, it's just blow the shofar, wake up in the morning and draw near to God. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the idea that during this yeah. month. Yeah. And it's just recognizing the King too, like the nearness of the King, like the, you know, like heralding the King too. Right. It's, a, it's a really neat thing. So the neat thing is, um, our, so the first of Elul has always been special to Braden and I. We've always kind of taken a picture with the new moon over in Israel and stuff. And and it's just always been a really special time. And so it was really neat this uh, this time. I, I went into labor on the, the 21st of, of August. And I don't think I was really recognizing the, the time, the calendar at that time. But uh, the whole labor, I was, we were quoting the song of Solomon, all of these things, like I will come out leaning on my beloved, you know, and I was, and I was just quoting all of these, these scriptures from the song of songs. And I have to say like this labor was just so, it was very sweet. Uh, it was very gentle and it was just a very sweet time. Something you'd been asking God for after Eddie's birth, our yeah. previous child. It was, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> last birth was like super intense and I was just really praying for like a gentleness this time. And so, um, yeah. And so I just have to say like that, that it, you know, it's birth is always painful, you know, <laughs> you know, there's always that aspect of it, but I just felt like the, a real nearness of, of Yeshua through the whole thing. And then, um, and so I have the baby, everything was, was beautiful. And, and, um, over the next week, uh, we were discussing a name and we, uh, we came, came upon the name that we picked was, um, was Gilad Mori, Gilead Mori, which, um, which, you know, you probably recognize uh, the word uh, Gilead, which is why we played this song here at the beginning, <laughs> which is, uh, it's, there is a balm in Gilead. And, um, and so, you know, there, there's this balm talked about in Jeremiah, which is like another whole, <laughs> another whole teaching, but uh, it's Yeshua. It's, Yeshua is seen as the balm of Gilead, the healing balm that is brought to the nations to bring healing, that is brought to Israel. It's the the place of healing for Israel uh, within the balm of Gilead. And yeah, one is, of the neat pictures is Joseph when he's sold off into Egypt by his brothers. Is that they have these care? There's this caravan that comes along these Ishmaelite traders, and one of the things they have is this balm from Gilead, mm-hmm. and so it's this prophetic picture of Yeshua 
you know, being pictured as Joseph there. He's going into the nations as this balm. You know, he's going to bring healing. He's going to bring health and comfort to the nations of the world. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, it's a beautiful picture of it. Now, he is the, that balm of Gilead that brings that healing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, Gilad. And then Mori is, um, is means my myrrh and, uh, which we've talked about in other podcasts, just the importance of like that sacrificial love of Yeshua, one that was willing to lay down his life, you know, and go through the trial of it to, um, to purchase and show his love for his bride and uh, just how, how beautiful that picture is. And both, so both of the names are from the song of Solomon or the song of songs. And, and then I'm, I'm looking at the calendar and I was like, Oh my goodness. The Gilad was born on the first of Elul on the new moon of Elul. Uh, and it just made it all uh, just so special. Uh, just realizing, uh, recognizing the closeness of Yeshua and um, just this whole theme of his nearness and um, the identity of us as the bride and of his, his desire to draw near to us as a, as a bridegroom, as a beloved, one that loves us and has laid down his life for us. So anyways, it's, uh, it's been really neat. And I, you know, it, it, I've been so blessed uh, doing this podcast, you know, just the how it's just helped me to meditate on this whole picture uh going into you know the end of pregnancy and getting ready for a birth and stuff and just I've just been really really thankful to God uh for just how he orchestrated it all and so yeah so we've been falling in love with our little Gilad and uh, yeah. yeah one little side note if you ever want to learn something really well then go to teach it because yeah. that, that'll really help <laughs> yeah. you to to really process it and really and so song of songs has been something we've you know been interested in for several years now it was a, it was a theme during our wedding and you know, all that but mm-hmm. it hasn't been actually until this past little while that we've been teaching it it was actually really some of the concepts and things have really stood out and really become really big yeah or just a kind of a reawakening of some of those themes right right yeah because i think when we were working on the song because we put most of the the book to music that was during um, Safania and Yamima's uh, pregnancy and, and birth and stuff. And I remember it being a pretty big, big impact on me, like singing through the meditating. But this study has really uh, helped to understand it, you know, more in depth, which has been, which has been really neat. So yeah, Safania also has David in uh, his name, which was connected to the Song of Solomon in that season. And Yamima is Yamima Selah, which is the dove in the rock. Uh, which is also our song. So we've got a lot of children kind of that have are named with this theme here. <laughs> so yeah. Neat. So, okay. So we can jump into our study here. So yes, we're at verse nine of chapter three. So I'll start out here of the wood of Lebanon. Solomon, the king made himself a palanquin. Ever heard of that word palanquin? <laughs> it's actually only used once. The Hebrew word there is apirion. And it's only used once in the whole Hebrew Bible. And uh, so it's, uh, it could also be translated as a chariot or a carriage. So Solomon makes this chariot, carriage, palanquin of the wood of Lebanon. It could also be, uh, that could also, wood there could also be trees because it's the Hebrew word etz, which is trees. So uh, let's break this down. Of the trees of Lebanon. So we know, uh, as Tally mentioned earlier, there is a connection here to the actual dwelling place the temple 
temple of God. And so we know that Solomon actually built a temple out of the trees of Lebanon, mm-hmm. right? So, so also here we have, he's made this palanquin of the trees of Lebanon. So this palanquin, this chariot is, is, is it's like a place where you can see is a dwelling place for the king, but also for his bride to join him in this place. And so there's a parallel here with the actual temple, with the dwelling place of God, is that he made this place for himself to dwell, but also for his people to relate to him in that place. Mm-hmm. And so also we have this, we have a parallel with the trees in the scripture. We have a lot of references to trees and people kind of being compared. Like there's a, there's a parallel there. And we have, you know, Psalm one that, you know, the blessed is the man who's meditating on the, on the law of God day and night. Mm-hmm. He'll be like a tree, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jeremiah 17 talks about uh, the one who trusts in the Lord. He'll be like a tree by the rivers of water. It will not wither, you know, he'll bear fruit and mm-hmm. all these things. So we, throughout the scripture, we have this parallel between people and trees. Mm-hmm. And so in that, in this way, God is also, he's making a dwelling place for himself out of us. You know, you could say of the trees of Lebanon and this word Lebanon actually is connected to the Hebrew word Levan, which is white. So you could say of the trees of whiteness, Lebanon could is, is uh, in Hebrew means whiteness. Mm-hmm. So of these trees of whiteness, the bride is going to be this pure, white, spotless bride, right? And so he's making a, a dwelling place for himself out of, the, out of us. You know, we're going to be part of, we, we have the scriptures that talk about the living stones that were being built up as a living stones as a dwelling place for him. Mm-hmm. So it's a, there's just some neat parallels here with that. And we have Psalm 104, 16. It says, the trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon, which he planted. And so here the psalm is even connecting these trees from Lebanon, these cedars of Lebanon as being the planting of God. And uh, we see different references in the scripture as, as us being the planting of God. God plants us. We're his, his uh, orchard or, you know, his, his, uh, his, trees. So it's just uh, an amazing uh, picture here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another neat thing about the name too. I forgot to say that Gilad actually means eternal spring right? as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I tell you, mentioned earlier that she's going to be hard to get the baby off of her mind. So yeah. she, just keeps on, <laughs> she keeps on thinking about the baby. It's the first time she's really left the baby. So she, I know, it's, <laughs> it's very hard for me to leave the baby at my house for a bit here, but it's all right. We're going to make it. <laughs> okay. So then uh, verse 10, we said is talking about what this palanquin is made of. And so it says he made its pillars of silver, its support of gold, its seat of purple, its interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. So we'll break this down. He made its pillars of silver. Throughout scripture, we see that silver is a symbolic picture of redemption. So the whole carriage is, is held up by redemption. You know, the, these pillars that are holding it up, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the, the supports are, are all, they're, they're supporting this, this carriage of God's dwelling place. It's redemption. God is the God of redemption. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say its support or railing is of gold. That word there, support, could also mean railing. And so it's this place of, you know, in the carriage, you have these protective railings around the side, and it's of gold. And gold in the scripture, it speaks of something divine. You know, it's something from God that uh, when it's gold. So here we have this idea that, you know, as we're in this carriage with the bridegroom, there's this protective 
there's this divine protection that keeps us from falling out, right? There's this, <laughs> it, it goes back to the last podcast we were talking about, but there's a safety, you know, there, mm-hmm. we have the 60 valiant men that are around this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but this, but there's also this, this divine railing of gold and God is actually the one that's, that's preserving us as we go through the wilderness, right? This palanquin is coming up from the wilderness. He's coming up. And so there's dangers. There's, there's, you know, uh, you got to lean on God, right, to be mm-hmm. to be provided for going through this wilderness. But he, but He's the one, you know. The encouragement here for you listening is that God has got a divine railing around you, you know, to keep you protected in this place of of you know of intimacy of closeness to the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. Then it goes on. It's seed of purple. Purple in Scripture is a symbol of royalty. The bride is seated with the king there in royalty. And so there's, there's this real nobility that goes along with sitting there in this palanquin. And then the most fascinating term here, it's, it's so oh, parabolic, you could say. It's, it's interior paved with love. How do you pave something with love? <laughs> you know? It's interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. So as I mentioned before, I've uh, looked a little bit of some of Charles Spurgeon's writing. He had, he preached several sermons on the Song of Solomon, and he had some really neat things to say about this, the pavement of love. He says, I want you to notice the peculiar position of the pavement of love described in the text. It is in the interior of the chariot, and only from the interior is it to be seen. It is in, it is in it, is in the interior of it, and therefore Jesus rides upon it, and his espoused ones ride upon it. It is a very simple thought, but it richly deserves to be beaten out a little. Jesus is represented here as the king in the chariot, and as the chariot is lined with love, we are taught that Jesus dwells in love. Where is he now? Among the thrones and principalities above, but he abides still in love. (laughs) And then he goes on, he says he's reigning in love, and it is so with Jesus. All things are in his hands, and he governs all things in love to his people. Heavenly principalities serve him, and angels are his willing messengers. But there is no power which Jesus has, which he does not wield in love to us. So here he's, you know, he, this place of the palanquin is like a place where he's reigning, right, too. He's like, this is a position of authority. Mm-hmm. So he's reigning in love, though. The interior is all of love. He's reigning in love. Mm-hmm. And then the last point here he makes, in Jesus rest in love. This chariot was a place for the traveler to rest in. He reclined as he was carried along. Nothing gives Jesus such rest as his love for his people. It is his solace and his joy. Mm-hmm. So I just love that insight that he had here. You know, it's, it's not a place of striving. It's a place, it's a place of reigning and he's, he's resting and he invites his bride to share in this rest with him. And so it's just a, a powerful picture. The interior is paved with love. He also talked about how from the outside, you can't really, the outsiders are looking at the bride going, why is she so, you know, and even later on the song of songs, like, what is your beloved more than another beloved, right? You know, it's like just trying to figure out like, <laughs> why are you so, deal? why are you so enamored with him? You know, mm-hmm. and, and to the, uh, to the believers throughout history. And even today that are laying down their lives for him, the outside world goes, why this is such a waste. Mm-hmm. Why are you so head over heels for your Messiah, for Yeshua? Mm-hmm. And yet, to them, it makes no sense because it's it's only from the inside of the palanquin that you see the love. Mm-hmm. It's the interior that's paved with love. Only those that are inside of that can fully appreciate the 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 lavish love that the bridegroom has for the bride. Mm-hmm. 
And so I just, yeah, I love that picture as well. Yeah. It also makes me uh, think of Mary of Bethany again as well. Cause she, it seems like she found that place, you know, and I was saying, you know, it says the interior paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem too. Like, like that she recognized the love of her bridegroom and that's why she so lavishly poured out love on him you know it's like reciprocated when you understand the great love that he has the protection that he's provided the support you know like everything built so beautifully um to to provide this place of protection and and love and then it results in pouring out all of oneself for him right yeah so then verse 11, we're at the last verse in chapter 3. It says, Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. So looking at this verse, let's break it down. It says, Go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon. So here the bride, she's calling others to see the king. And this is the true heart of the bride. You know, As we are we've been brought into this place of being in the carriage. You're like, wow, he's magnificent, you know? And so we call others go forth. Oh, daughters of Zion, see King Solomon, see this glorious bridegroom. She's excited. The bride is excited for others to see his glory, Mm -hmm. to see how amazing he is. And so it's King Solomon with the crown. Look at King Solomon with the crown. The crown speaks of his kingliness, you know, his, his authority. It's emphasizing, that he's got power over all the forces of darkness, right? They're going, as I mentioned before, they're going to this dangerous place, the wilderness, but yet he's crowned. He's crowned the king. There's no question of his authority over all the forces of darkness. His total victory over the enemy. And then it says, with which his mother crowned him. Look at this. King Solomon, he's got a crown. His mother crowned him. And here, the mother can be understood, as we mentioned before, the mother can be understood as the, the body of Messiah. That just as, you know, we had this baby, Tally, you know, had the labor, you know, she was very <laughs> instrumental in bringing forth this baby. But, you know, God is the author of life, right? So in a physical way, yeah. God uses a mother to bring forth children, even though God is the one who creates the children, yeah. right? Which, so, I think, which I think as a woman who's been through birth, you realize how much of it has nothing to do with you. Right. <laughs> like you are just totally at the hands of God. Like this is your thing. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's, you know, I, I definitely felt that. That's why I kept on quoting, like I'm leaning, <laughs> right. leaning on my beloved, right. you know, because, uh, cause that's all you can do at that point. You're just at the mercy of God. Like <laughs> God, yeah. this is, this is your thing. You started this. You're the one that's going to bring it about. And so, uh, there's nothing like to remind you of that <laughs> yeah yeah so just in a physical way the mother brings forth child in a spiritual way also there's the mother that brings forth the children paul talked about how you know i was like a mother among you nourishing you so you know the body of messiah is is seen in, in a spiritual sense is a mother that brings forth spiritual children mm-hmm. and so the mother has crowned him you know the, the body of messiah they've they've crowned the bridegroom and we also see this, you know, with Genesis 3.15, God speaking to the serpent. He says he'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So also the woman there is, is part of this bringing forth of the kingdom of God, right? She's going to bring forth 
the 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 seed, the child that will that will crush the head of the serpent. Mm-hmm. So the mother is is crowning him, right? The mother's crowning the king uh, as as the victor over the enemy. Mm-hmm. So and then it ends says on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. And so this is, you know. In the Song of Songs, this is the point of, of the wedding. And the, the chapter four does go into, you know, he, he has this praise of the bride. And so, but we're kind of in, in between the last part of chapter three mm-hmm. and the very beginning part of chapter five, you have kind of the middle section, which is the, the wedding. It's the wedding. It's the climax kind of, right? Yeah. It's a, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a, it, the Song of Solomon is actually, you may have heard of this term, chiastic, is a very chiastic written i don't know if chiastically is actually the way you say it but it's a chiastic structure which means that the beginning and the end are paralleled and then as you work your way in there's parallels all throughout like you know on either sides mm-hmm. until it kind of until you kind of like this, get to this, the middle. this middle point which is the the wedding it's the wedding the, part it's the nugget it's the yeah it's like the main, <laughs> the main kind of the main point, point. Yeah. uh so it's a very fascinating thing to even look at song of songs in that way that it has this it's very um Yes, it's what's well, symmetrical. It's symmetrical in the way that actually there's themes on both sides. There's mm-hmm. the, the apple tree is on both sides. The vineyards on both sides. It's mm-hmm. got it's got a lot of parallels. But uh, yeah, so at this point, it's like we're at the wedding, and then there's the praise of the bride, chapter four, and then there's uh, there's the consummation. You could say at the end of chapter chapter four, mm-hmm. and uh, and the first verse of chapter five. And so this is all a very uh, it's, a, it's the climax of the book, you could say. But this is speaking of the climax of history. Mm-hmm. Revelation 19, verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, here in this passage, we see there's a uh, excitement. There's a, uh, he said, let us be glad and rejoice. This is the day of the gladness of his heart. This day when he's crowned as the king, his bride is brought to him. And uh, this is something we have to look forward to. And I just love this picture of the carriage, you know, and how it's, it's, it's a divine carriage. It's carrying God's people through the wilderness. And they're going to arrive to that wedding day ready, mm-hmm. right? There's no doubt. There's no doubt the enemy's not going to be able to get in and thwart God's plan for his son to have a pure and spotless bride. Mm-hmm. And so this, this carriage is just a picture of that. It's going to be carried through the wilderness. It's going to be carried throughout the nations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of peril. There's a lot of dangers out there, but this carriage is, is going forward. Islam can't, <laughs> Islam can't stop it. Um, radical agendas can't stop it. You know, a very, um, you know, political, the, schemes, political schemes, nothing political can stop leaders. it. Yeah. You know, sometimes we look at these things and go, Oh man, maybe God's purposes will be stopped. But no, <laughs> no, I mean, God's purposes are going to go forward. He, this carriage will make its way to the final destination, which is the marriage supper of the lamb. And the, the bridegroom will have a bride. Mm-hmm. This is, it's a sure fact. It's set in stone yeah. and we can be a part of it. Yeah. And so this is the exciting thing about that. Yeah, it's an awesome thing. And I, I just love um, this was something that was just so important for me uh, to realize the gladness of the bridegroom 
in this whole story. Like I, and I think that's something, you know, the song that uh, says, there's nowhere else that I'd rather be than dancing with you as you sing over me. And just understanding that this, you know, this whole story hasn't been the easy story, you know, that there's been a lot of sacrifice involved um, on, you know, to get to this place, to get to the day of the gladness of his heart. But when, but it's like, the the perspective of the bridegroom is that it was all worth it like that there's great gladness in the end there's great rejoicing he's singing over us you know despite the um the hard parts of the story that we've had to walk through you know and I, i've just always loved that picture that he's rejoicing over us he's glad over us this is a, a day of gladness and rejoicing there's no looking back and regretting like oh was it really worth it you know right. <laughs> and so uh so yeah, it's an awesome thing. Yes. So may you all out there, may you get a taste and just really strengthen yourself in that place of being in that protective palanquin. The interior is paved with love. You've got a lot of love to just soak in as you're sitting in that palanquin. Yes. Amen. This is Braden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly. I want to love you. Yeshua, my